0: Welcome to The Vault. Let's start cracking your code. And welcome to another episode of The Vault. And today with me, I have Matt McWilliams, and I'm truly honored and excited to have him on today because he's living proof that anyone can pursue their passion in life and while making a profit as well. He's worked with some of the top companies, entrepreneurs on the planet, such as Shark Tank's Kevin Harriton, Tony Robbins, Dean Graziosi, Kim Walsh Phillips, Ryan Levesque, Michael Hyatt, Claire Diaz Ortiz, Lewis House, Brian Tracy, Jeff Walker, and more. He's here to help you on your quest to turn your passion and mes- message into a profitable and growing business. He's been through the startup phase a couple of times in the past two decades and has built a following from scratch. Today, he lives out of his passion for helping others find their purpose, passion, message, and path to profitability. He's the host of the Affiliate Guy podcast, Your Source for Affiliate Marketing, News Tips and Strategies to Take Your Online Business to the Next Level. Welcome, Matt. Hey, so uh, Sonia, thanks here. so much for having me. <laughs> yeah, I'm super excited to have you here because this is some this is an amazing topic. A lot of people just want to have that freedom. In themselves and in the business to really pursue their passion and to make a, a profit with it, so they're capable to, of helping more people. But tell me more about you and your story. How did you, how did you get into this kind of business?
1: Gosh, I got into it kind of by accident. I think that's true of a lot of people these days. Like I grew up, I wanted to do all the things that a typical kid wants to do. I wanted to be a basketball star. I wanted to be an astronaut. I think there was even a phase where I wanted to be a race car driver. All those things, and then. Later on, as I got older and realized that none of those things were going to happen because I'm not that tall and <laughs> space travel didn't seem exactly the most practical thing and, well, NASCAR's not really safe, I, uh, I decided I wanted to play golf. And so I, I got really into it. I went to college at the University of Tennessee, played golf there, left, played professionally for a couple of years. And when I stopped doing that because of injury, I went to teach these golf schools with my dad and we were doing, I was 22. And we were doing like we have like three students over a weekend two thousand dollars a piece so three day weekend i'd make three thousand dollars at the age of 22 that was amazing i was mm-hmm. like oh my gosh I that was more than my mom ever made in, in a given month i was pretty <laughs> stoked about that but i was like hey dad i heard of this website called google and like if you run ads on it and then people come to your website they some some of them give you money to do things it was like that was how little i knew about it so we ran these ads And we would convert like one out of every 200 people. Now, what I teach in the book, and this is common in 2022, 2023, is I teach people, build an audience. You want to build an email list. And I teach how in step four of the book, like how to grow an email list, how to nurture them, how to build a community and a culture within and nurture that community, right? And be the hero to your community. But back then you came to my website and you did one of two things. You either gave me two to $3,000 or you left. Those are your two options. Yeah. One out of 200 people would give us two to $3,000. We converted one out of 200 at a cost of 10 cents per click. So it would cost us $20. And I'll never forget, Sonia, there's a, a mid January, February afternoon. It was. An, we had an ice storm in North Carolina, so everything was shut down, you couldn't even leave the house. If you know anything about growing up in the southern United States, when there's an ice storm, you don't go anywhere, because it just everything shuts down. Yeah. And I yeah. don't judge me, but I sat there all day long, Sonia, watching an Ally McBeal marathon on FX, right? I watched like 15 <laughs> episodes of Ally McBeal, it was amazing. It's the only time I've ever watched the show, I watched every episode I've ever watched in one day. And I had this ding set up on my computer every time a sale was made. So I'm like two episodes in and I hear a ding. A couple episodes later, I'm eating lunch. I hear a ding. I'm sitting there watching the next episode, a ding. I'm eating dinner. I hear a ding after dinner, a ding. Long story short, seven times that day, I heard a ding on that computer. The average ding was worth $2,500. Mm. We split it half, halfway with my dad and I'm going, oh my gosh, all I did was sit here and watch Allie McBeal all day long. And I made wow. like eight or $9,000. Maybe there's something to this internet business thing. I think the internet's not a fad. We're going to be good. And that was kind of the genesis of how I got into online marketing. And then of course, over the next 20 years, the journey that I've taken is one that we walk through in the book and we help others to, to not have to go through the painful stuff that I went through over the next 10 years, which was starting a platform that I wasn't passionate about, starting another platform that I was passionate about, but didn't make any money. Yeah. And how do we actually find that path in the middle where we're both passionate and we're making money? Because that's what sustains us—the passion, what gets us going. That first six months, yeah, I'm changing the world. I'm I'm doing what I love. After about six months, if you're not making any money, you're gonna quit. And the reverse is true. Yeah, I'm making a lot of money. This is great. But if you're not passionate about it, you're gonna quit as well. Yeah. And so I've experienced both of those. And, and my mission, kind of my mission in life, really is to help people marry those two those two extremes in the middle.
0: Mm, so how do you marry those two extremes in the middle?
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, it starts. It starts with getting clear on on who you help. That's step one of the book, like getting clear on that passion. The whole premise of the book, the the entire premise of the book hinges on one belief, Sony, and that's the world needs your message. Mm. Right, The world needs your message, but it's not going to wait passively. It's not going to wait patiently for you to get out there and, and and start a blog, start a podcast, start a YouTube channel. It's not going to wait for you. It it needs your message, but it's gonna move on without you. And the thing is, like when I realized that, like, okay, the world needs my message, there are potentially hundreds of, of thousands or even millions of people out there right now, everyone listening, they are desperately waiting for you to share your message with them. And the thing is, are you gonna actually do it? So we start with a step one, which is to get clear on on who you help. I mentioned that the business that I started where I was, I was passionate about it, the platform I started, I was passionate about it. I was changing the world. I was I was excited about what I was doing. I was teaching leadership and personal development, right? What I learned, not making very much money, people kept coming to me saying, Matt, but you're helping all these people grow their online business. How do you do that? How do you do that? And I realized, wait, that's actually what I'm passionate about. Yeah. So you mentioned in the intro, my, my podcast is called The Affiliate Guy. And there's yeah. actually kind of an interesting story I write about in the book about how it came to be called that because most people think, Matt, you were a genius. People introduce you via email to clients. When you get introduced to all these clients you've worked with, they all say, hey, Matt's the affiliate guy. You're a genius, Matt. What a great title. Yeah. And I wish I was smart and had thought of that. The reality was I called it the affiliate guy because for years, I'm talking for a decade, people kept saying, Matt, you got to teach this affiliate thing. You got to teach online marketing. You got you to teach people how to start an affiliate program, how to do affiliate marketing. You're the best in the world it. you got to teach people. And I was like, I don't want to be the affiliate guy.
0: Yeah, I, want no, I get
1: that. Nah. <laughs> I want to do something bigger, Sonia, and maybe no. you, maybe you are listening, you will do something bigger. But I was like, I'm not going to be in this thing, like teaching people affiliate stuff like that. That's that's small thinking, right? I want to do something yeah. bigger. bigger. And then one day, I was walking down the stairs. I'll never, I remember it like it was yesterday. I was walking down the stairs, and we had one of those. I know you've you've got kids, and and or at least one kid, and and I remember we had one of those bedtimes, where. Everything went great. The kids were peaceful. They weren't like we had a bedtime last night. The kids were arguing. One of them started crying, and they were just kind (laughs) of getting. They're doing what brothers and sisters do. They were getting on each other's nerves, pushing each other's buttons, but this bedtime, none of that. Peaceful. Put the kids to bed. Thirty minutes, but it felt like it lasted an hour. Normally, it lasts an hour, and felt like it lasted twenty minutes because things just took forever. They brushed their teeth on time. They were in their jammies. Oh my gosh! And I'm walking down the stairs. And I went, "Oh my gosh, There are hundreds of other people having that same experience right now because of me." Yeah. You see, a couple of months before I had helped my friend Dana Abraham, she teaches a course called "Calm the Chaos," which does exactly what it sounds like. It helps people with chaotic lives calm them and their families. It's a parenting course, essentially. Yeah. And I about two weeks before her launch, I was talking to her and I was like, Dana, it sounds like you might need some help with your affiliate program. Do you like, can I help you? She's like, oh, yes, please, please, please. All I did, Sonia, was the thing that I'm good at, the thing that I, I can do in my sleep. I coached her affiliates. I taught them some stuff. I made sure they had what they needed and I strategized with them. And then when she launched, she had one affiliate whose goal was five sales make over 40 sales. She had an affiliate who the previous time she launched had zero make 17. Her top one went from like 30 to 75. And I'm thinking, man, I impacted Dana. She went from $125,000 launch to a $300,000 launch. I'm an entrepreneur. I love helping entrepreneurs. I just helped her make three times the money almost. I helped those affiliates make a lot more money. Wow, what a cool thing. But it was still, just a thing. It was just the affiliate thing. It was just helping entrepreneurs, right? Mm-hmm. And then it hit me as I'm standing on the stairs after this peaceful bedtime. Oh my gosh, I've potentially helped hundreds of other families have that ex- same experience tonight. Yeah. Because I taught affiliate marketing. Like, how did how does that happen? This is not an important thing. This is not Tony Robbins level stuff. I'm not yeah. <laughs> helping people live longer, or am I? And I was like, oh my gosh. That's like that's the thing. I do want to be the affiliate guy. So that that name, the affiliate guy, is a reminder to me. Don't yeah. ever think that your passion, your purpose, your message is too small. Mm. So I write about in the book how to get. We can go through that if you want, Sonia. How do we get clear on that passion? But yeah, that's where it
0: starts. exactly that that is definitely one of the one of the questions because when there is not enough clarity, people don't take action. Right? Yeah. Because there is no direction. So how to get really clear on what your purpose is.
1: Yeah. One of the things you'll hear me say a lot, and it's a quote in the book, like if you try to serve everyone, you end up serving no one. Mm. Like we, we have to be intentional about who we help. Like you get to choose who you help. You get to choose who your audience is. Like I say, oh, I only want to work with people, men over 40. Okay, then work with men over 40. I only want to work with women under 50. Cool, then work with women under 50. I only want to work with people at this income level or this income level or who live like that. Cool, you get to choose who have this problem or this problem. So three questions, three questions. The first question is, what is it that people are always asking you for? I said I mentioned mine, like people were saying, hey, Matt, how do you do affiliate marketing? How do you grow your email list? How do you run an affiliate program? That's what nobody was asking me for leadership advice. Nobody was asking me for personal growth advice. That my voice wasn't standing out. We talk a lot about standing out in the book. Yeah. My voice wasn't standing out in the world. Jonathan Milligan, dear friend of mine, he blogged about career. He was a career blogger. How to get better jobs, how to write a resume, all those things. But then people started coming to him going, hey, how'd you start this blog? You're, you're making six figures from a blog. How'd you do it? How'd you do it? How'd you do it? You do it? So he started a platform called Blogging Your Passion. That's his thing now. So number one, what is it people are always asking you for help with? The second question is, what is it that people say is really interesting about you? They're just like, hey, Joe, that's just really interesting. It's really cool how you blank. I don't know if you're familiar with Dan Carlin. He's the, he's the host of Hardcore History. To give you some perspective, this podcast, when he launches a new episode, it is number one on all of Apple Podcasts for like two or three days, right? How not how? number Not number one in the category. It is the number one podcast 100%. for yeah. days, all right? It's a history podcast. It's one of my favorite podcasts. And the thing is, he's not a historian. He'll say it 30 times an episode. I'm not a historian, but here's what I think happened. Boom, boom, boom. How did he end up in that position? It was because he would go to Thanksgiving dinner, Easter supper, birthday parties, and something would come up. and Next thing, he'd be telling the story of how Genghis Khan did such and such or how the soldiers at the Battle of the Bold, blah, 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 or the real story behind the invasion of Normandy. And people kept going, man, Dan, that's really interesting. You're a great storyteller. So he started a podcast. So what is it people are always telling you is really interesting? Most people, they've nailed it down by now. Like right now they go, Oh my gosh, it's this. It's this. This is the thing. If you if you haven't figured it out yet, question number three is what did you struggle with in the past, but now you enjoy success at? The example I write about in the book, my dear friend Alan Thomas, he's a weight loss coach. His whole thing was he hit the age of 60. He was in life insurance. And he realized nobody that ever makes it past the age of 70 is as large as I am. They're not as overweight as I am. I'd like to live more than 10 more years. So I better do something about this. And he stepped on the scale and he's thinking, it's going to say I'm 280. I know I'm a little bit overweight, but it's going to say 280. And it said 304. And he was like, nope. Nine months later, he weighed 175 pounds. Now, the thing is he had been overweight for 45 years years. Yeah. So when his clients come to him, you know, his clients come to him, they go, Alan, the thing I love about you is you've been where I was at. You, you struggled with this for a long time and then figured out the solution. Who else, who are you going to learn weight loss from? Like, I don't, I don't want to learn that from somebody who's been fit since the age of 14. Yeah. That's, that doesn't help me as a 43 year old man. So I mean, he's ended up making a huge, like a very successful business out of this because he struggled with something. Then he found the solution. And all he does today is teach exactly what he discovered in that journey from 304 to 175.
0: Wow. That's amazing. So a lot of people think that their story or their voice is not important enough. How do they overcome that obstacle?
1: Oh my gosh, there's a story in the book so that I love that I'll tell, but there's more to it that I, so just so you know, like the manuscript for my book was written over a year ago. Mm -hmm. If you know anything about working with a big publisher, it's a very lengthy process. Mm -hmm. And as many books as we've helped launch over the years and authors that we've worked with, it's been slow on my side. (laughs) Like it's been so slow. (laughs) So there's more to it that I'll share because I think it's a really cool finished. I wish it was in the book. I wish we could have put in the book, but I just, we approved the manuscript so long ago. So there's this lady that I talked to. This is a very common belief. I mentioned it earlier. The world needs your message, right? The the world needs your message, but it's going to move on without it. Because here's the thing we think, oh, there's already somebody teaching the same thing. There's already people out there talking about this. There's people more qualified than me. So those are three kind of three separate things, right? There's people talking, they're already teaching the same thing. There's people who are Who basically are similar, but they're teaching similar things, right? They're not exactly like me, but they're similar enough. And then the not qualified side. The first thing, like, there's already people teaching this. There's already people talking about this. There's already a product like this. Yeah, but are they exactly like yours? You're, you can come at it from a different angle. (laughs) Like, if you think about it, oh, there's already people teaching weight loss. Well, maybe they're in their 30s, and they're male. Maybe they're not teaching it to busy professionals or to single moms. Maybe they're not teaching it to women over sixty. Is there an angle you can find that you fit that niche, right? The second thing is your style, your your way, your unique way of standing out, right? There's a whole chapter about standing out in a crowded marketplace in there, but you know, maybe your way of standing out is that you're teaching it for more of a, of an energetic. You're teaching. 20 minute workouts. One of our clients is a guy named Jamie Brinkus. He's, he started eight minute abs, right? If you remember those infomercials back in the yeah, day, yeah, like yeah. <laughs> and everything, right? That was his thing. Eight minutes. He wasn't the, how do you get like, how do you go win the Mr. Olympia and work out for two, three hours a day and get super buff. It was like, how do you stay in relatively decent shape in eight minutes?
0: Yeah. I you know,
1: that's way. not my thing. I told him up front, dude, I'm never going to do your workouts. I don't want to work out for eight minutes. Like, I want to work out for longer because I feel better when I do. He's like, I know you're not my target audience. So you think about that. And then the third thing is like, okay, we don't think we're qualified. I mentioned there was this lady I talked to a while back and she's got two autistic children. And this is one of those stories, like everybody who's read the book is just like, that was the story that clicked with me because I could see myself in this lady. Most of us don't have advanced degrees. Most of us didn't go to Harvard or Cambridge or Stanford. Most of us didn't have a famous dad or a famous mom. Yeah. We think, well, we're not qualified. This lady has two autistic children. I said, well, there's your platform. Your platform is to teach parents how to handle autistic children. She's like, man, I'm not qualified for that. I was like, why not? She's like, I don't have letters behind my name. I'm not a doctor. I didn't go to Harvard. I don't know the studies. I said, you just told me you have two autistic children. Who is better qualified to talk to parents of autistic children than the parent of an autistic child? I said, your kids, based on what you told me, are doing relatively well. She's like, oh, they're doing great. one of them's already got a job. The other one's doing great in school. They have friends. I was like, but they have autism. Yeah. So how is it that one's employed, the other's doing great in school, and they have friends and they're doing well socially? That's not normal for kids that are on, on the extreme Spec, into the spectrum is her. She's like, well, because I learned some things over the years. And I said, there's your platform. Yeah.
0: And I, she, so
1: she was just like, no, Matt, I'm not qualified. And I said, okay, let me ask you something. I was like, I, I don't mean this. Well, I'm just going to say what I said to her. And it was a risky question, but it worked. I said, have you ever felt like killing your children? She said every day. And I don't mean she's like thinking up ways to drown them or electric. Like that's not what I'm talking about. Okay. <laughs> But There's she's like, we know it as parents, just parents of non-autistic parents children go nuts sometimes. Yeah, <laughs> right. If they drive you crazy, and she's like every yeah. day, I was like, then talk about that. I said, talk about how you've been able to travel with autistic children. I didn't realize that when when parents have autistic children, traveling, getting on an airplane is a nightmare. They are terrified putting them on you're breaking their routine. You're waking them up early or putting them in bed late. You're putting them on a metal tube surrounded by 300 other people in close quarters, flying through the air at 35,000 feet, things that have never happened in them before. Like their ears are popping and and all these things. And then they're like, it can be stressful for just everybody, let alone a kid with autism. So what happens is parents are terrified and, and they their energy is, is passing off to the kids because the kids can sense that something's wrong. Why is mommy so stressed? Why is daddy freaking out? And so then they're afraid the kid's going to blow up on the airplane and that's going to make a scene. And everybody's going to be looking at them and people are going to judge them. And so she did a video about how she's been able to successfully travel long distances with autistic children. So this is the part that's not in the story. I told her, go start the platform. Just tell your story. Talk about life. Talk about how you've raised your kids. Share funny stories, painful stories. Fast forward a year later, she had over 10,000 YouTube subscribers.
0: Wow. And an email list That's of over 5,000. achievements in a year. <laughs>
1: she did a video, Sonia. Yeah. Talking about traveling with autistic children. I'll never forget this one comment. This, this video had over 100,000 views or 50,000 views. I mean, it was a lot of views. Comment, like hundreds of comments under this video One of them was from a lady who said, I have an autistic child. He's five years old. We haven't left my hometown in five years. I've been terrified to go anywhere. Mm -hmm. I've been terrified to go to a hotel or go to an amusement park or get on a plane. Because of your video, I have hope. And I just booked a flight. I think it was to Hawaii, if I remember correctly. It might've been like San Diego, but it was a cross country or over the ocean flight. She's no longer afraid. And I'm going, okay, no letters behind her name, no advanced degree. She didn't go to Harvard. She doesn't have connections. She doesn't know the studies. She doesn't know the science, the medicine, any of that stuff. She knows none of that. All she has is her own personal experience. and She's completely changing the lives of 10,000 plus parents of autistic children. Mm. So if you think like, okay, you're not qualified. The world doesn't need your message. Is there somebody else? Is there some other platform builder out there that potentially could have reached those parents? Yeah, but they didn't. Yeah, she did. And that's true any industry, any niche, any topic.
0: Yeah. And when we're talking about niches, sometimes people can niche too far or just make it very complicated or just Mm. be too broad. What do you think that the golden middle is and how how to exactly find your niche to say, okay, these are the people that I want to help, but they come in all (laughs) sizes with all kinds of different environments and situations. What would you niche on to say so if you're starting out in in figuring out your purpose in your niche?
1: Yeah, to start down, I would uh, I would niche down until the point that it starts to get a little painful. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, oh, that, that's almost too small or that's too limiting. One of the things that I didn't get to include, I wrote it in the original draft of the book and I, oh, I wanted this to be in there. And it was one of those things. So when you pre-order the book and we're doing a bunch of bonuses and we'll give a special link here in a little bit, you can get it anywhere, but i will give a special link where people can get this bonus one of the bonuses is kind of like the hidden chapters that i didn't get to include because we had to cut the book down and one of them was like okay what what if i what if i've kind of got like two or three different passions two or three different audiences and and they're related but they're a little bit they're not like they don't go well together they don't pair well together and so the exercise that i i work our clients through is okay here's what i want you i want you to take those two or three possible niches and like just write them down now what i want you to do is Go for a walk for 10 minutes, clear your head, and then set a timer for 20 minutes. And I just, as fast as you can, just write down topics that you could podcast or blog or do videos on. All right. Then the timer goes off. These don't need to be like full titles, like 10 ways to know. It's just like, I can talk about this, 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 this 20 minutes fast as you can. All right. Go for a walk for 20 minutes, clear your head, come back and do it for the second one and repeat for the third one. 99 times out of hundred when people do that exercise. They'll have one category that has 87 topics, another that has 32, and another that has 41. It is so clear which one they should be doing. It's the one where they go, oh my gosh, I've got a year and a half's worth of content, and don't even have to think about it. I've got two years worth of content. I did this with affiliate marketing. I sat down for 20 minutes and just wrote down as many topics as I could think of. If I had over 100. And it was like, for me to come up with that much content in leadership or personal development, would have taken a day or yeah. two days. It should be really easy. It should just flow from you. It so flows, that, yeah. you can narrow that down. And then to answer the question when it's like, like how far should we, should we niche down? Again, I, I like to take it to the point where it's painful. So it's like, okay, productivity. Okay. Take one step f- further down. So it'd be like, okay, self-improvement. Wow. That's pretty broad. All right. Well, when niche down, how about just productivity? Yeah. Okay. One more step. Ah, Okay, what are the aspects of productivity? Well, time management. Are you really, really passionate about time management? No, not really. Okay, what are you passionate about in the productivity niche? Well, I'm, I'm really passionate about health and fitness and how that applies to productivity. Ah, now we've got ourselves an angle. You don't typically have to niche down further than that and say, okay, health and fitness for for productivity, but you might and say, okay, for busy corporate executives. And you start there, then what happens, is Brandon Burchard calls it the halo effect. When you are an expert at health and fitness for busy corporate professionals, people automatically think that you are an expert at other aspects. And it can go one of two ways. It can either be health and fitness for other groups of people, and it grows and it grows and it grows, or it can be other things as they relate to busy corporate executives. People suddenly start to think that you're an expert at time management. Well, you're not, but they (laughs) think that you are. And you can begin to expand into those areas. And a couple of the ways that you can do that are in your content, of course. You can begin to learn things and apply them to and start to teach those to your audience, but also in the products that you promote to your audience. And step nine, we talk about monetizing, committing to monetizing. It does not serve your audience to not monetize. You can't just give, 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 and never ask for a a transaction. But you're not an expert at time management. You're an expert at the health and fitness side of things. But your audience wants to know time management. They want to know what tools to use. They want to know how to be a better leader. They want to know how to delegate, right? They want to know all of those things. But you don't necessarily offer products. You don't want to offer products. So what do you do? You promote them as an affiliate. So you go find the products, you recommend the tools, you recommend the time management course, you recommend those things to your audience. And now you're serving them in those tangential products and offerings without having to create something of your own. Which again, we go in depth in that in in step nine of the book, but that's how we begin to expand our influence over time. But it starts by becoming the go-to guy. I said, I'm the affiliate guy. That's how people know me. I'm the go-to guy on affiliate stuff. I'm not the go-to guy on a bunch of other stuff. Even some of the stuff that I write about in the book, nobody comes to me and says, Matt's the guy on building a community. Do I know a lot about it? Do I share my best thinking on it in the book? Absolutely. But because I became that expert in that one little area, then that sphere of influence began to grow because people just started making assumptions that he also knows a few other things. Yeah. You know? so, but it, it helps by becoming the go-to guy, the go-to person in that one very specific area.
0: But I love what you said earlier in the interview about you not wanting to put a label on it, right? So I love talking about productivity, energy, and all of that stuff, right? Focus, but I don't want to have a label of this like... (laughs) Yeah healer or something like uh, woohoo, it's, it's really, really business oriented. So yeah, I would love to expand a little bit more about that. So when, when you tend to not dip your toes fully into it because you feel there's a label to it, how to go about it?
1: Yeah. I mean, for me, I'll, I'll give you a couple of examples. We have a lot of people in my audience. They come to me to learn how to start monetizing their platform. Exactly mm. what we talked about in step nine, how to get into affiliate marketing. Well, as they advance, they want to know other things like, well, how do I grow my list more? How do I build? How do I launch a product of my own? How do I start a membership site? How do I do a virtual summit? Like I can, I can go on and on, right? Eventually, yeah. how do I learn how to delegate? How do I hire virtual assistants? How do I grow my team? How do I all these things? These are all things that the same people want to learn on yeah. their journey.
0: Yeah, I don't yeah.
1: teach any of that stuff. Yeah, but I know that they want to learn those things because a I wanted to learn those things at some point. B, they're telling me that they want to learn those things, and so I see that and see it just makes sense that in their journey, these are the things that they would want to do. So I promote Jeff Walker. You know, he's a client, but I promote Product Launch Formula as an affiliate. We sell a lot of his courses every year. We promote Stu McLaren's membership course. Sell a lot of those every year. We promote other people's like Navid Moazza's Virtual Summit Mastery. Like, you want to learn how to run a virtual summit. Don't ask me, do expert. I know parts yeah. of it? Absolutely. But <laughs> Absolutely. we promote him. And so we then expand that sphere of influence. And ha- the biggest thing is it serves my yeah. That's yeah.
0: the biggest There's thing. There's the audience, right? And, and you don't have to do it all alone. I think this is yep. the big message so you can really dive into your zone of genius. So tell me about building a following from scratch. I think that a lot of people, especially when they want to pivot their business or maybe they're starting out, Let's say they're starting out or they're starting a new income stream or a new kind of business. How did you build the following from scratch?
1: Yeah, it it starts with, yeah, step three of the book is capture attention, right? That's Mm -hmm. where it starts. We've got to stand out in the marketplace. Like we don't, we don't wait for attention. We don't get attention. We have to, like in today's society, the way that we are today, we have to capture attention. We got to grab it, right? Not to step Um, into the arena. (laughs) Yeah, I've heard that. The average person is exposed to something like three to 5,000 marketing messages a day. Mm -hmm. How the heck are you going to stand? How are you going to stand? out? So we go through four ways to stand out in the book. The first is your style and your personality, right? So this can be your writing style, your speaking style, your physical appearance, your clothes. If if you look at that and go, gosh, everybody in my niche is a buttoned up corporate professional worth it with a three-piece suit and a tie. Okay. And there's 20 people in your niche and they're all like that. Then be the guy with the sleeves rolled up and the tattoo. And I'm not saying you have to go get a tattoo, but if you've got one, don't cover it up in that niche, right? Don't get a stand tattoo. Out. Stand out that you don't get a tattoo, but if you've already got one, show it off in that niche, yeah. right? But there's other ways to stand out. Again, your writing style. Like I don't write for, I don't write for my 12th grade English professor. Yeah. I write for conversions. versions. She would be red ink in that my email's all over because they're not grammatically correct. Chris Rock, one of the stories I write about the book is like that I love is somebody asked Chris Rock, are you like this in real life? And he's like, no, he's like, I'm me, but I'm three times me. And if you think about it, when I'm sitting down with my wife and even if I'm passionate about something, am I talking like I am right now in the same cadence? Of course not. Is this me? Absolutely. I I am. This is not a fake version of me, but it's me times three. Yeah. I don't talk to my kids like this. Would I talk to my daughters? Do I talk to my soccer team like this when I need to? Absolutely. And I have to turn that on and turn that off. So the key is like with your personality, with your style, be bold, be bold, express yourself in ways that stand out. Don't be boring. Yeah, Feed that three times you. So find a unique style that stands out. My friend, Carrie Wilkerson, who I write about in the book, she's known as the barefoot executive. She goes on stage wearing a... Very expensive dress, looking all professional, and she's barefoot. It's one yeah. little thing that stands yeah, out.: But she's you know? Alfred.: <laughs> Even your li- even the things that you consider liabilities can yeah. be an asset. If you think Sylvester Stallone. He was born, I think, with paralysis on the left side of his face, they like reached in with forceps to pull him out and it paralyzed the left side of his face. Would we remember everybody knows Rocky. Adrian. We would not have remembered that if he'd been like Adrian. Yeah. <laughs> Terminator, right? I'll be back. If if he had if he had been from Kansas, nobody would remember Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. Uh, we think like Joaquin Phoenix with the cleft lip, Bono. We always think of Bono with the glasses. It's because he has glaucoma.
0: Yeah. But yeah. those things
1: allow him to stand out. Your experience. Yeah. That's yeah. this is the second one. Experience, right? Yeah. These are your degrees. If you got I, I said earlier, you don't need degrees, but if you got them, okay, use them. Awards you've won. I have four time affiliate manager of the year. I I always find a way to work that in. Why? authority yeah. places you've worked how many people have written books and their entire qualification is they were one of the first employees at Google Apple or Facebook yeah like not everybody has that so use it your client list things like that even lack of experience can be an advantage when i ran, i ran for school board about 20 years ago in the county that i lived in at the time and at the time i i don't know if it's still true but i was the youngest person in north carolina to ever make it through a primary election i was 22 and my whole thing was, I'm young. I'm not experienced. I don't have the qualifications. The only thing I have is the ability to relate to today's students. And I'll never forget we were at a, at a debate, and the, the first lady goes up and she's like, This lady had a park named after her. She'd lived in the county her whole life. And she said, I've worked in the education industry for 43 years. And I went, I've been alive for half that long. Boom. Audience loved it. I almost won in the general election. So, then the third thing is your personal background. How can you tap into your personal background? What are the things like the things that make you uniquely you? You're a single mom who's raised three kids or you've, you've done like you're a corporate executive who's also managed to run 10 triathlons. These are the personal things that stand out. I, I had a single mom until the age of nine. I grew up in trailer parks. I moved 13 times in 14 years, had childhood epilepsy. Moved to live with my dad right when his career took off. My dad was not wealthy. He became wealthy about a year after I moved to live with him. So I suddenly, I had been exposed. Like technically, according to the United States government, I lived in poverty until the age of nine. Mm. I lived in poverty in trailer parks and we moved all the time. My mom had creditors down her throat until I was nine years old. By the time I was 11, I was considered wealthy. That's a, most people don't experience that. Yeah. Like the two extremes. So I saw both. So the lens that I see things through is through both of those extremes. It's pretty, pretty amazing. Played division one athletics, like all those things. And then the fourth way you can stand out is your method. This is the way you get your message out. So are you going to write blog posts, host a podcast, do videos? If you're going to do a podcast, is it interview based like you're Sonya or is it a solo show? Are you going to do short post or long post weekly? Weekly post or daily post like Seth Godin. Like, what are you going to do? Right? A specific system. What's the
0: plan? (laughs) Those
1: are your methods. And then we take that, we stand out. And then, real quick, step four, we've done step three. Step four is we got to convert those visitors into subscribers. And we can talk a little bit about that if you want, but we have to turn those people into a list that we own, that we have a deep connection with. Yeah, that's yours. And all of those things.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I love that. I love every single thing you said. <laughs> so the book, it sounds amazing. It sounds like it covers everything. So how can people actually get in touch with you and how can they get the book?
1: Yeah. So you can you can get the book. If they sell books, they have my book, Amazon, Walmart, Target, Barnes and Noble, Booksmith, whatever. You can get it there. But if you go to passionsintoprofitsbook.com forward slash Sonia, now, just for those of you who aren't looking, that's S-O-N-J-A, of course. We want to make sure you get that right. So passionsintoprofitsbook.com forward slash Sonia. I know Sonia will do you solid and put that in the show notes. Absolutely. If you click on that, we've actually got some special bonuses there for your listeners that'll help them take the book to a little bit deeper level. So we talk in step four and step five about growing your list and how to... We talk in step eight about a little bit about what you need to do in terms of email marketing but we have a a course that'll take you deeper that we'll we'll throw in. Um, In step one, we talked a little bit about it today about kind of getting a little bit clear on who you help. But I've got about three pages in the book where I teach you how to develop your ideal customer avatar. In the bonuses, we've got a whole course on that, an entire video lesson on how to develop that into ideal customer avatar, which is key. We've got a bunch of other bonuses as well. So again, passionsintoprofitsbook.com forward slash Sonja, S-O-N-J-A. Make sure you guys go to that because you just get more stuff.
0: Wow. <laughs> oh, it sounds amazing. That is an amazing gift. Thank you so much. Also oh my from pleasure. my audience, just one last question, Matt. So yeah. what is what is the one question that nobody ever asked you but you would love to answer?
1: Oh my god, that in and of itself is a great question. Something about the proliferation of curse words in the modern vocabulary? <laughs> <laughs> no, the one question that nobody's asked me that I wish they would. Oh my gosh, I think the first thing that kind of comes to mind is it it actually ties into kind of some of the the uglier side of of the things that I've seen in business over the years. I think nobody's ever just flat out asked me like, what is the biggest mistake or biggest like way that biggest obstacle that you've had in business? And of course, narrowing that down would, wow. We had about a thousand, but nobody's ever asked me that. You know, like it's kind of weird. You would think that, Somebody would have asked me that at some point, but nobody's ever asked me about that. And I I was actually telling just a friend earlier, we were talking about some stuff and I was helping him with some stuff. And I was talking about like, I've seen it all. I had a a business partner who was our CFO that embezzled half a million dollars to pay for his private plane. And if you've ever... You ever been in business and you feel like, man, we're really doing well. Things are picking up. I'm looking at this dashboard and the numbers are really good. And I'm going, but why am I only paying myself $4,000 a month? We have a like a million dollar a month business and I'm a partner and I'm only making four grand. Like what the heck? <laughs> oh, it's because yeah. he's hiding $25,000 a month that we could oh, be splitting God. three ways. Yeah. That explains it. Yeah. I've, I've had that. I've had the entire, our biggest buyer, we had our three biggest buyers in one day quit back in 2008 when the recession hit. This was two months after we bought a company with debt, which I don't recommend. We just made a big acquisition in our company and we did it with cash. Just no debt. Like the risk is nothing. If the whole thing tanks, yeah, we'll be fine. Yeah. And it was a great acquisition on paper and it felt amazing. We acquired a big company. woo Woohoo. Six months later, we were bankrupt because we didn't foresee a a recession. So, I mean, there's plenty of mistakes I've made and dumb things I've done and just downright idiotic things and ways I've been screwed and all that fun stuff. But nobody's ever asked me about them.
0: Yeah, that's good. (laughs) That's good because business is business and stuff happens, right? So (laughs) people can relate to that. So I hope you enjoyed, enjoyed the interview. Thank you so much, Matt. And I will see you next week where we will level up again. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Vault. Respect for showing up and creating your next stage of life and business. If you like this episode, I invite you to dive deeper and stay. The S stands for subscribe and share. Make a screenshot right now and pay it forward and send this to five friends who can benefit from this value. The T stands for try and transform. Try the technique, at least until the next episode. The A stands for action. Action creates success. Don't stay a student when you have a code. You should try to open the vault. And finally, the Y stands for you. This is about the most valuable asset of the vault and life in general, the one and only authentic you. So if this was your code, please comment and help the vault grow. Hashtag unlocked, hashtag next level, hashtag dive deeper and see you next week to level up again.